This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. The playlists for all the seasons of the show can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. Spirit roll of D6, one, absolutely not. He is so, I think he's reeling from the the discharge of magic. <laughs> this poor bastard, he just goes in there. Ha ha, I cast the spell, it fries him. <laughs> what, a, what a cluster beep. Well, hello and welcome back to Me, Myself, and Die. I am, as always, your intrepid Game Master host and player, Trevor DeVal. Thanks so much for watching, and thanks so much for subscribing. We are closing in very quickly, and as of right now, on a thousand subscribers. Thanks for commenting as well. It's good to know that you guys are actually, you know, paying attention to some things <laughs> and, and engaging with the show that way. Keep them coming, I do love that. Also, another quick reminder, we do have merchandise for sale for the show. Uh, that link is uh, in the show notes below. So, when last we left our team, they had just left the mountains following hot on the heels of Simon's father, tracking him back presumably to the town of or the, the village of Argiston where Simon is from just outside the city of Chiton. The city of Chiton where Manfred of Dovedane still has a bounty out on Simon's head for his perceived crimes. They left the mountains and were following a river through the woods when they were ambushed by a group of bounty hunters that were sent by Manfred led by a bounty huntress, a lethargic brute, as Une uh, informs us, called Isabel. Now, we know that this group of bounty hunters is slightly more powerful than Simon and gang, so I've statted them up using Savage Worlds, as you can see here. Uh, they're all extras except for Isabel the Huntress. She is a wild card, so she is gonna be, you know, quite formidable. She's big, she's brawny, she's tough. She's also level-headed, which means for initiative purposes, she draws two cards and takes the best. We also have Command Presence, which basically means anytime her bounty hunters are within 10 inches of her on the on the tabletop where one inch is two yards uh, they get a plus one to their spirit rolls to come out of shaking that's her then we have stratton stratton is another bounty hunter he is an extra but he uses two swords he has a florentine style which basically means that he's really hard to hit and it's harder to gang up on him he's also two-fisted which means that he will attack twice when he attacks he attacks with a rapier and a dagger but the dagger will be with a minus two to hit basically then we have Alandar the Archer, who is uh, just your bog standard sort of regular up D6 extra with the longbow. And we have Fane Rosada. Fane Rosada is an Earthbinder. An Earthbinder, which is, I've determined, a wizard that is like a druid, but isn't in harmony with nature, rather seizes the power of nature for himself to bend it to his will. So that's him. He is in possession of a few spells, which make him extremely valuable to capture missions. One is Entangle, which you'll see what that's going to be like. Another one is Deflection, which uh, makes him harder to be hit. Other than that, he's, he's kind of like an apprentice wizard, so he doesn't have a lot of things he can do. He's pretty limited, but he's extremely effective for this particular situation. So that is our group of mercenaries and bounty hunters that are about to launch their successful ambush against our team because our guys failed their notice rolls. So because they've just been ambushed, I'm going to move the chaos factor from five to six. It's bad news. I'm not going to lie. It's bad news for our team. But here they are. So Simon and company are walking out of the mountains along the river through the woods. Across from them is a large tower. They do not see the enemies, one of which is here. Fane Rosada here. The leader Isabel is there. This is uh, Alandar the Archer, and hiding in the trees way over here is Stratton. These names, by the way, were all generated. The old random table supplement right here. 
uh, that I've referenced many times in the show. Matt Davids, it, the link is uh, down in the, the doobly-doo, as the man says. So this is an ambush for sure. When this happens, the side that started the fight is not dealt cards, but begins the fight on hold. So technically speaking, I know I said last time that they had the drop on Simon and company. I don't think that's actually the case here. The drop is a brutal, brutal thing. It basically gives the attackers plus four in, uh, to, to hit and damage in the first round. So it's just, it's just awful. I think that Fane Rosada, the Earthbinder, will have the drop on them because he's going to use a spell. And I think the archer is going to have the drop on them as well. But in terms of either Isabel or Stratton, I don't think they will because they don't have any missile weapons and it's not like they're hiding behind a tree right next to them where they can leap out and get... If they were, they would definitely get the drop. I think that's what I'm going to rule that, in fact, only sort of the ranged attackers have the drop. That's still really bad for our guys, as you're about to find out. This is Savage Worlds, and of course we have our initiative deck, so that's what we're going to do. Simon and company do not get an initiative card because they are surprised. Isabel, she shouts out, ATTACK THEM! She bursts out of the cover of the ruined tower, leaping over these stones. She gets to the end of the ford. That was her. Let's deal with Stratton. He is way over here, hiding in the in the woods there. So he basically is gonna run through the woods and wind up about here, but he's gonna stay behind the cover of the trees just in case someone decides to shoot at him because he's a new idiot. Meanwhile, let's start with uh, the archer up here. Alandar the archer, he is going to shoot at, all these targets gonna benefit from cover, so he's gonna be, be shooting at a minus one for light cover through the woods. I think he's gonna take the most obvious target, which in this case from him is going to be Arn. He's just a regular guy, D6 minus one, one will miss. So the arrow flies through the trees and now we have Fane Rosada, the Earthbinder. He is going to cast Entangle. Because of the nature of his magic, he is he's going to cast this spell and snaking vines and branches are going to erupt from the fallen trees and logs like prehensile tendrils basically trying to wrap themselves around each and every member of our party. What that means, because it's four power points and I'm using the optional no power points rule, which means he's gonna be rolling on a minus two and under this template here, I don't know if you can really see this here, but here's a, a Savage Worlds template and there's uh, three different sections. There's small, medium, and large. So he's gonna center it on Edbert basically, which means that, you know what? Simon is gonna be outside the range of this thing, which is kind of a help. He bursts free of the trees. He begins to cast the spell, chanting his language, his magical language, coaxing the vines and leaves and twigs and logs themselves to rise up under his control and wrap themselves and entangle at the very least, Edbert and Arn. So, his spell roll is a d8. Now he's gotta get four to even succeed. He's minus two because of the no power points thing. Oh, <laughs> and he explodes naturally. 14 minus two is 12, that is success with two raises. What counts here is that that becomes the number that they have to beat with their agility roll. So I'm gonna put a 12 up here just so we remember. Needless to say, the spell goes off and now Arn and Edbert have to do agility rolls and they have to beat 12. So Edbert is gonna roll his d6 agility with the dice and he's going to roll a five. So Edbert is restrained and Arn's agility is a d8. He's a little better. He rolls his, it's gotta be 12. No, and he fails as well. So they are both restrained as these vines completely entangle them. So that's gonna last as long as Fane concentrates, which of course he's going to do. That was the end of the enemy's turn, which means now we go to a new turn. No longer surprised, Simon is going to roll and he is quick, so he roll uh, five or less, he redraws, five or less, he redraws, five or less, he redraws, seven. Uh, his friends are on two, the baddies are on 10, and once again, 
Isabelle takes the best of two cards, either four or 10. She is going to take 10. Let's deal with Fain Rosada right now. He is going to cast a deflection on himself because Simon with his crossbow is not restrained. So does he do it? His casting is D8 and he is doing this at minus two. He does not and he rolls a one. One means that he does a backlash on himself. So when you're using the optional rule of no power points in Savage Worlds, <laughs> a one on the spell die is a really bad thing. So failure, oh, this is even worse. Failure means all currently maintained powers are canceled and the caster is shaken. So right away, Fain Rosada, young wizard that he is, perhaps a young arrogant wizard, casts this spell, he gets the off the entangle and right away decides I'm gonna to begin to protect myself, but he screws up and he allows not only the spell of the entanglement to drop, but he, oh, I think maybe in shock, he becomes shaken and he rolled a one, which is backlash. If a caster rolls a one on the arcane skill die, the power automatically fails and he suffers 2d6 damage. <laughs> okay, well, this is very good for our guys. He suffers, so he's definitely shaken. He's already shaken from this and he's gonna suffer 2d6 damage. He's gonna suffer six damage against a toughness of four is going to shake him again. He's shaken because he failed the roll. He took damage, which would shake him again, which as an extra would knock him out of the combat. But because this is happening at the same time, I don't think it's fair to apply the shaken result twice for the same action. So I am going to rule that he is shaken, but he's not, he didn't take himself out. So what does that look like? He basically like, you know, uh, the, the powers go hideously awry and all of the vines that were entangling our guys over here suddenly just whew, fall limply back to the ground. <laughs> whew, that's very, very good. Okay, Alandar the Archer sees this over here and decides, uh-oh, <laughs> he's gonna take another shot at Orin. Remember, they haven't even moved. They've been slowly walking through the woods and all of a sudden they got entangled. What, what, they're looking around. Everything happens in seconds. Arrows go flying. Let's see if the second one hits him. He's still uh, firing at minus one because of the cover. Two, again, Eladar will miss. Arrow flies through the trees, missing its target. Stratton over here, Stratton of the dual blades. So he runs up. Ah, now this is gonna kinda, he runs up and he gets up to Simon. This is gonna screw up Simon, because Simon cannot fire the crossbow at somebody if they're engaged in hand-to-hand, -hand, as per the Savage World's rules. So basically Stratton, even though he can't attack, he just kind of neutralized Simon's ability to do any damage right away. That was him. However, here comes Isabella Huntress. Now she comes charging in here with her big maul. With a big maul there. She comes charging in with a maul. <laughs> she comes charging in. Well, her goal is to take down Simon. She was kind of hoping that that, that, that entangle thing would work so that she wouldn't have to do anything. So I think as she's charging up to Simon, she sees, she hears this, ah, from across the river. As Fane goes down, she kind of looks over and she sees, she sees the magical trap of these vines suddenly drop limply in front of her. She's like, ah, and she's really frustrated by this. But nonetheless, she comes charging in and swings her mighty maul right at Simon. She fights on a D10. Ugh. And she's a wild card, so she gets a D6 as well. Simon's parry is five. She comes oh, charging in. Oh, she'll miss! <laughs> Amazing! She comes in, the mall comes crashing down, but Simon immediately sidesteps. The mall comes crashing down onto some rocks here, smashing them into tiny pieces. Simon's eyes go wide as this massive mall shatters the stones in front of him, and he's thinking, that could have been my head! Okay, so it is Simon's go on seven. He's going to withdraw backwards, ooh, back to here. 
behind this log, but as he does so, he's gonna draw free attacks from both of them. However, as he is withdrawing, he's gonna take the defend option, which is gonna give him a plus two to his parry. As he moves back, Isabel recovers her maul. Mm, she comes back and goes to smash him. His parry is now seven. Oh, <laughs> she rolls double ones. She's a wild card, so something awful happens. What happens? Um, my first instinct is that the maul gets destroyed. Yeah, I'm gonna ask the faith chart. Yeah, does the maul get shattered as she hits another rock? <laughs> That's part of a critical failure. This is really couldn't go better for our allies so far. Um, I'm gonna say it's probably unlikely. Okay, as chaos factor six, this is a 50% chance of this being yes. It does not. Okay, so basically I think what happens is she overextends and she is going to lose her next round. Meanwhile, Stratton does get a free hit with his rapier. His fighting is a D8. He's not a wild card and he's, he's got a hit. Uh, parry seven, so probably not. No, he will miss Simon as well. Whew, okay, that was Simon on seven. He's done because he took the defend option, which leads us down to our allies here. Well, the first thing that happens is Arn sees this. Arn moves for free back behind this log here and fires his bow. One to four, he's gonna fire at Isabel. And no, he actually shoots at Stratton. He shoots at Stratton. Oh yeah, he will hit, because it's, it's a four is a hit. So he moves back behind the log, fires that arrow. It wham, smashes into Stratton. 2d6 against Stratton's toughness of six. What do we get? Four, so the arrow basically impacts on Stratton's leather armor and nothing is done there. That was his attack. Edward, on the other hand, pulls his blade and goes charging to combat. He did pull his blade, which is an action, so this is gonna be a multi-action penalty. He comes in, his fighting is still only a D8. He's really gonna improve that, I think, when I get the chance. She's completely overextended and kind of caught off guard by this, so she sees Edbert leaping over the stones, swinging his longsword at her. He will roll a six, and her parry is six, which means he hits her, bang! 2D8 damage against her toughness, on the other hand. Eight, nine, it's actually her toughness is nine. So this is a tough, she's really hard to wound and he will not wound her. She just basically shrugs off the attack. Wham, ah! <laughs> Edbert's, you know, his his sword ringing in his hand a little bit as it bounces off her, her steely eye. <laughs> she is a brute, after all. That was Edbert, which means we go back to a new round. Isabel will not take part in this round because that, oh, she'd made a critical failure. Simon, eyes on the Joker, baby! He's on the Joker right there. Allies are on King. Baddies are on three, and she is out this round. Great. <laughs> any better. This is amazing for a change. So <laughs> Simon with the Joker means it gets plus two to everything he does. He is definitely going to shoot. If he shoots into combat here, Edbert is engaged with both of them. If he misses, if he rolls a one on that shooting dice, he's going to hit Edbert. Is it worth it? I think it, well, he's got a really good shooting. He's got to do it. He's got to try and hit Isabel. He can see that she is this big, massive, brutish warrior coming in. He needs to shoot at her. So that is what he's going to do. He rolls a D8 and is a D6. He is plus two to hit and he gets, oh, okay. <laughs> well, plus two is six. So this is 2D6 plus three all in. And this is toughness nine. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, 12 plus three is 15 plus uh, 16, 17, 18. Also, the, the crossbow has two points of armor piercing, so it'll nullify her leather armor, so her toughness is eight. 
So she gets shaken and takes two wounds. I haven't been giving enemy wild cards bennies to spend, even though in Savage Worlds, that is a rule. I think in this case, I'm gonna give her, just because it's, it's too much for me to keep track of, believe me, there's enough for me to keep track of like, do this game uh, as it is. But I think, I think in the interest of fairness, I'm gonna give her her one Benny, and her one Benny is gonna be used to soak this thing, or to try. Uh, her vigor is very good, it's D10 and a D6. She has to get a number of raises here. Uh, oh, <laughs> she totally fails! So she takes two wounds and is shaken, what a hit! Her eyes go wide with pain and I think surprise. As surprised as I am, and as indeed some of you must be at how well this battle's going. Mm. Oh, you know what I just realized? He moved back on his withdrawal action. He should have actually got an additional plus two from his marksman edge. Oh, he would have got it. Yeah, he would have hit with a raise. So you know what? He would have hit with a raise. So I'm gonna add an extra D6, this may count. So our running total is 18. <laughs> 24 is what damage she's taken. <laughs> His marksman skill in this case, because he fired without moving, he had moved the previous round, incapacitates her. She is shaken at minus three, incapacitated. That arrow basically hits her right in the abdomen, goes right through those corded ab muscles of hers, <laughs> and sinks deep into her bowels. She falls to the ground, ah! screaming in agony. Wow, Simon, you don't suck at all, do you? Do you? <laughs> Unbelievable, so she's down. She is down. Isabel the Huntress, who I thought was gonna be this huge threat, is down. Okay, that was him. Allies, Edbert turns his, I think he turns back to Simon, he shouts over his shoulder, nice shot, friend! And he swings his sword now at Stratton, who puts his rapier and dagger up, desperately trying to parry. He's rolling D8 and at E6, cause he is the wild card, and he's gonna roll, <laughs> he's gonna roll 10. It's not a hit with a raise, it is a regular hit, cause his parry is eight. In we go, and he's six, will, versus six is going to shake him. Pow! Sherilyn at this point, she would interfere to save Edbert's life so that he could go on to atone by facing trial at the order, but it seems like they've got this well in hand, so I think that her chances of interfering are no way. I think it's no way. No way, does she interfere with this? 99, extreme no. Uh, she will take no role in this combat. She's just like, nah, clearly these guys have it. They don't need my help. <laughs> Okay, that was on them, which we go now go to the enemies. So let's deal with uh, Stratton over here. Normally they'd get a plus one to their recover from shaken rolls, but Isabella's down. Her command radius means nothing anymore. So Stratton is gonna do a spirit roll of D6 to try and break his shake. Does he do it? He does, but it takes his entire action to do it. Meanwhile, over here with Fane Rosetta, He's gonna do a spirit roll of d6 to break his shake. He does not, he is still shaken. Over here we have Alandar the Archer. Well, Alandar has just seen <laughs> their Earthbinder wizard completely screw himself. He's seen his big burly boss rush into the fight and immediately get shot and taken down. He's seen Stratton battling for his life. I think there's an excellent chance that uh, Alandar is going to hightail it and get the hell out of here. But let's find out. He's gonna do a spirit roll. He's gonna do a spirit roll. If he fails, he breaks and he runs. He does not. In fact, he succeeds with a raise, so he is not gonna break. He's got pretty good cover here. I think he's gonna take a shot at Simon. Simon here 
is kind of in uh, behind some some pretty serious cover here. So I think there's going to be minus two to this shot. He fires at minus two. He completely misses. We did uh, draw the Joker, which means it's time to reshuffle the deck. Well, I got to tell you, I don't think I, this has been what six, seventeen episodes now, uh, like sixteen episodes, something like that. I don't think I've ever seen a battle go this right for Simon and his friends. I'm gonna have to come out with new merchandise, I guess. Simon sucks no more. Simon used to suck. Why don't you, uh, why don't you give me your thoughts in the comments below on what you think the new slogan should be. And for those of you who've already bought the t-shirts that say Simon sucks, well, it's still true. If you keep watching up to episode 15, it's still true. But for those of you who are now watching this and beyond, maybe you buy the new t-shirt, which says, what, you tell me. Simon is quick, he is on 10. Allies are on Jack, enemies are on King. Once again, Fane is gonna try and break his shake. Spirit roll of D6, one, absolutely not. He is so, I think he's reeling from the the discharge of magics. This poor bastard, he just goes in there. Ha ha, I cast the spell, it fries him. <laughs> what, a, what a cluster beep. Uh, he is up and can attack. I have to do a spirit roll for um, Stratton too. Does he get to hell out of dodge? I'm gonna give him a spirit roll, but I'm gonna get a plus one because he's a little more loyal, I think, to Isabel. Oh yeah, definitely, six. Uh, let's do is, that's a success with the race. So he is not gonna run. In fact, he stands right by Isabel's side and he, ah, enraged now, he attacks twice because he does have the two weapons of the two-fisted edge. The black one is gonna be his right hand, the white one's gonna be his, his offhand, which uh, is gonna be at minus two because of the um, offhand penalty. He is rolling and he's going to get uh, six. Edbert easily with his long torque just blocks the attacks of both the rapier and the dagger. Alandar, who's gonna fire again. He's gonna fire this time, I think. He's gonna sort of move over here a little bit. Move over to the edge and he's gonna fire over yonder at Edbert. He rolls five minus one, because like cover four, that is a hit. Toughness nine. Does he do any damage to him? Eight, nope. The arrowhead gets tangled up in Edbert's chainmail armor. <laughs> Does no damage to him at all, which is great. That's the end for them, which brings us down to Edbert and Arn. Edbert easily fending off the previous attacks of Stratton now swings his own blade at him, trying to hit him. He's got a really good parry though, and he will miss because Stratton's parry is eight. So it's a flurry of blows, but neither of them are able to penetrate the other's defenses. Arn, however, is going to shoot. If he rolls a one on the shooting die, he will hit Edbert, of course, which is a... Oh, and of course he does. So not only does he fail, he hits Edbert. Sunk. Whoops. 2d6 versus nine, nothing done. So Edward kind of like, kank, and he kind of briefly turns his head. Hey, watch him back there. Which brings us down to Simon. He is gonna reload. Actually, yeah, he turns and he fires at the wizard who is just sitting there slumped, slumped against the tree, sort of like green smoke coming out of his eyes and his ears as he's uh, struggling from this magical backlash. He needs four more. Six, he will hit normally. Pow! He rolls 2d6 plus one against Fane's toughness of four. Oh my god, eight plus one is nine. Ten versus four is two. As Fane is sitting there against uh, uh, against the tree, he looks up at the last second and, and, and Simon quickly loads a crossbow, levels it like a pro. The bolt sails across the river, catches Fane in the throat. 
ending him. That was him, and now Simon is going to be on ace. Allies are on four. Baddies are on Jack. So Simon on the ace, he's going to shoot, but let's see if he's in range of this old fella right here. He is still in short range, just bare. Actually, he's just out, well, yeah, he's just on the edge of short range. So minus one from the cover, so he's just rolling a minus one straight up. So D8 and a D6, and he gets a four, which will hit. Whoop! 2d6 plus one against Alandar the- Oh my god! What is going on today? Simon is a killer! This is- I don't even know who this guy is anymore. The bolt catches Alandar, who's drawing another arrow in the eye. Bolt! Oh! Instantly dead. The enemy, at this point, he's seen Simon take out three of the bounty hunters. And remember, they show up and Simon puts down three out of the four with that crossbow of his. Katonk, katonk, katonk. What are the odds? I think it's a near sure thing that he chooses to surrender. Uh, 76 is a yes. Stratton on his, on his roll, throws down both his rapier and his dagger, gets to his knees, puts his hands up. Please, please, my lord, I surrender. I surrender. We need to know a, a little something something about Stratton now that he's, you know, has the talk. <laughs> so let's find out. Let's go to Une. What's a motivation for him? 69. 69, dude. Report. Report affluence. He was sent by, he was sent as insurance to make sure, not, not so much insurance on Simon, because he figured, Manfred figured that Isabel would be able to take care of it, no problem. How wrong he was. But I think he was insurance to make sure Isabel was on the up and up. You know, she's a bounty hunter, so who knows? Maybe Simon uh, would have, you know, tried to bribe her, offer her more money, that kind of thing. So I think Stratton was insurance for that. So that's what he knows. So he's on his knees right now, and he says, please, my lord, I assure you, I was only here to keep an eye on Isabel. Was it Manfred of Dovedane that hired you? Manfred paid for us to bring you in alive. I can see now that that mission is going to be impossible to achieve. I ask for mercy. I ask to be granted leave to go. I will not plague you again. What do you think, Edbert? I think I should run my sword through him now. Guarantee he'll never bother us again. And you, Arn? You worked for Manfred. You're a bounty hunter. Do you know him? Does he? 50-50. Case rank six. He does not, actually. So he doesn't know Stratton. Does he know Isabel? He does. I do not know this one on his knees now, Simon. But that one, the woman, Isabel. She is a bounty hunter of great renown and skill, although today's performance would certainly bring that skill into question. <laughs> she still lives, Simon. What should we do with her? And this one. He kind of gives Stratton a boot. <clears throat> Stratton, please, my lord, I give you my word. Let me go, and I will not trouble you again. Frankly, this mission is not worth dying over. What is your name, man? Stratton, my lord. The last time I let a bounty hunter go in the wild, it came back to bite me. I am not certain that I would make that mistake twice. I say we take his tongue. Yeah, he's bloodthirsty, don't forget. No, I will not kill you, Stratton, but I will not take you with us either. I cannot afford to be slowed down. Edbert, get some rope from your pack. Tie him and this Isabel to the tree. Secure their bonds strong enough so that they can eventually break free long after we have gone. I think this is a mistake, Simon. We don't want to have them coming back on us. I think we should just... <coughs> Leaving them here tied up. They might survive, or they might not. 
More importantly, they might come looking for revenge afterwards. I would not often agree with Edbert on this, but I believe he may have the right of it. We should execute them. This Stratton has thrown down his weapons. I will not execute him. And as for her, <clears throat> she has taken a wound in combat. That is the price she pays for attacking us. I will not kill her, but I will not help her either. Very well, Simon. We will do as you ask. Nah, I still think we should take something from them. Tongue, an ear, something, a finger, something. Just the rope, Edbert. I'll tie them up. And they do. This scene is over. Whew, what a combat that was. The chaos factor goes back down to five because our guys were unbelievably in control. They didn't get hit once. Simon was like a god. Pow, pow, pow. So for the next, the opening of the next scene, uh, we need to roll in our chaos factor to see if anything happens. Uh, we are not. So our chaos factor went back down to five. So six means that there is no interrupt or altered scene. Simon and company make their way back down the river towards the north, towards Simon's ancestral home of Augustan, leaving Isabel and Stratton tied up behind them. Simon, in three days time, is able to follow the tracks, follow the, the signs of his father's passage to wherever he's going. Now, he we're assuming that it's back to Argistan, but it might not be. We don't know. So here's the question. The original event implied that he was going home. This, this is a sure thing. Is Simon's father going back to Argistan? 60, yes. Three days go by, Simon continues following the trail. Simon's father is continuing as well to cover up that trail, so it's difficult at times, and perhaps so much so that Simon even has to take an extra day, so I think maybe it takes four days. Off in the distance to their left, they can see the mighty city, the walled city of Chiton, sitting in the plains, where the river runs to, actually. Chiton would be built on a river, that makes sense. But that is not their destination. Their destination is the tiny village of Argistan, to the northeast of Chiton. And they make the way across the farmland plains, past cotters, huts, farmers' houses, through the fields of herders, sheep, horses, this kind of thing. A type of civilization that Simon has not seen in some time, since he was driven out of the city of Chiton. Now he knows that he is still a wanted man here. He is an outcast after all. So it is very possible that if he sees anybody that recognizes him, that's gonna cause a lot of trouble. So I think that Simon and company is making sure that they are laying low and they are being as inconspicuous as possible. His cloak up over his head at all times, even though it's a beautiful summer day most of the time. But eventually, Simon arrives back home in the tiny, tiny, tiny village of Argistan. I don't even think this is a proper village. Uh, the, like, it's not like there's not going to be an inn, nothing like that. There's basically, this is a group of foresters who live on the edge of a, of a massive forest. So they have some contact with the, you know, merchants of the city of Chiton, but uh, mostly their business is self-sustained. They're out here, you know, trapping, getting furs, you know, dealing in lumber, this kind of stuff. As he comes into town, first of all, is it day or night? Uh, one to three is day. It is day. The morning of the fourth day, they emerge into the tiny village of Arslan. Simon is going to go immediately to the family household. Now, if I recall from way back in the very first episode, he was raised by his grandparents. This presumably is where the, the father is headed for some reason. He picks his way among the twisting roots of the massive pine trees and spruce trees and things along the little forest path. And there through the trees they can see the small hunter's cabin, basically, that Simon grew up in. 
Are his grandparents still alive? I'm not sure we ever actually asked that question. I think it's probably very unlikely that they are. No, they are not. Simon grew up in the cabin. His parents got taken. He was raised by his grandparents. His grandparents died. He was alone in the cabin, I think. Yeah, it was. he basically was an adult in this cabin until he got driven out by this, um, by Manfred of Dovedane for his supposed crimes in the city of Chiton. Whatever that is, we'll probably find out soon. So as he goes up, he sees that there is in fact a light on in the cabin. It shouldn't be because the cabin was, should have been abandoned all this time, right? But he sees the light. The trail is definitely leading right to the doorstep. Well, my first thought is the father was afraid he was being followed. Is the father here now? I'm going to call that likely. Zero one, extreme yes. So he is definitely the one that started that fire. He is definitely in that cabin and he's been here for a week. So he's had a chance to sort of set up shop, doing whatever he's doing. Let's find out what it is he's doing. Why did the father escape from the temple and immediately go back to Argiston? 55, disrupt tension. Disrupt the tension. Oh, <laughs> Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is very often accurate. As far as he knows, his son and parents, Simon's grandparents, are still there. So of course he'd go back to Argistan. It's the simplest thing in the world. He escaped the temple after seeing his wife go down. He had to go home to check on his son. But when he gets there a week ago, his son is gone. I think maybe he finds the graves of his parents because Simon probably buried them out back and no sign of his son. So I think that when the father got back to this cabin, there was no explanation for Simon's absence. He was just gone. So he's been there for a week. He would have gone after his son. He would have tried to ask around, what happened to Simon? Yeah, have you seen Simon? What's going on? And I think by this time, news would have got back to the villagers here that Simon was accused of a crime, a terrible crime in the city and fled the city. He's probably tracked down a lot of details in terms of what the nature of the crime was and who was accusing him of it. Does Simon's father know about Manfred of Dovedane's accusations of Simon? Somewhat likely. 10. Extreme yes. Simon's father has spent the past week trying to find out what happened to his son, and he has found out. He's found out that Manfred of Dovedane not only accused Simon of these heinous crimes, these terrible, terrible crimes against some underprivileged group in the city, where I remember that from the first episode, but whatever the case was, if he is ever to return to the city, he is to be immediately apprehended and brought to him, if not killed outright, dead or alive. He's discovered this about his own son, but he has not gone into the city to find out more information. Why? Because he took a wound. He was wounded in that temple and he barely was able to get back here. In fact, that's probably the nature of the trail that Simon was following. Every now and then, flecks of old dried blood. That's the reason why he's been here for a week. That's the reason why he's still here now, because he is suffering from a wound. I don't think he's mortally wounded, but it was bad, bad enough. And that also helps to explain the reason why Simon's father was trying to cover his tracks, because he knew that he was bleeding and leaving a trail behind him for those undead beasties. So he's wounded in the cap. He still thinks he's being chased. So I think that he has basically barricaded himself in that cabin, afraid that he's going to be discovered by the undead who he assumes are coming after him. He's the kind of guy that shoots first and asks questions later. He sees three individuals coming up, although it is 
You know what? It's first thing in the morning. So I think that Simon's father is able to sort of pull the curtains back from the smoke encrusted windows. Does he recognize his son? That's the question. It's been a while. It's been several years. Simon's grown into a man, but it's still his son. Simon's been on the road a while though. We call it unlikely. Does he recognize his son? In fact, he does recognize his son. So he sees his boy, his, his grown boy, now his man, his boy grown into a man, coming up towards him, up the garden path towards the door of the cabin, which he's got sort of barricaded, right? And he's got his longbow beside the door as well. He's got a woodsman's ax beside the door. He is ready to fight if he needs to, but he's wounded. He's trying to recover from this wound. He sees Simon come up and I think his eyes go wide and he opens the door. Simon sees his father opening the door and he stops. Simon recognizes his father at once. Father. And he looks at him, tears welling up in the father's eyes. He puts his arms up and Simon races up. And for a moment, he's like, he's like a little kid again. And all he can think is embracing his lost father who he has not seen in so many years. And as he does so, he embraces his father. Is this the moment where we learn something about the nature of the parents' special circumstances that cause them to be noticed by the necromancer in the temple? I don't know. I'll find out. I mean, something might, interesting might happen here. Let's call it 50-50. Guess Victor. 10. Extreme yes. So, as he embraces his father, he realizes something is amiss. Now, what is the nature of Simon's father's particular situation that got him noticed by the necromancer? Find out. 28. Separate. 61. Death. Separate death. <gasps> What got the necromancer interested in Simon's parents? Separate death. Simon goes to hug his father. And as he does so, he realizes that he can't quite get a grip on him because Simon's father's physical form is flickering in and out of existence. And he kind of, uh, he steps back and the father, looks at him with tears in his eyes. What is it, my boy? Why do you recoil? And Simon looks at him and he, he goes to put his hands on his father's shoulders and his hands go through his father's shoulders. And he steps back, stunned and manifesting beside him. Sherilyn points towards Simon's father. And she looks at Simon. And that is where we end this scene. Huh. Hit like and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to check out the merchandise link below and keep commenting, keep coming back, keep subscribing, keep doing all the stuff. Thanks for watching and tune in next time to me, myself, and die. <laughs>